Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie, also from quince. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking. I'm going to toot my own horn. Effortlessly chic, whether it's winter or or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30. You got washable silk tops, really stunning 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, if you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. Hello and welcome to Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. I'm Kate Spencer. And I'm Dori Shafrier. And we are not experts. No, we're not. But we are two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. Indeed, we do. And we are very excited, very, very excited to be joined today by Jasmine Guillory, longtime friend of the pod very early Forever 35 guest, and most importantly, romance novelist and author of the brand new book, While We Were Dating, which is out on Tuesday. And Jasmine is also, no big deal, the New York Times bestselling author of six romance novels, including The Wedding Date and The Proposal. And her work has appeared in, oh, The Oprah Magazine, Cosmopolitan, Bon Appetit, and Time. She lives in Oakland, California, and we're just so excited to have you here. Thank you Yay. so much for having me again. I love coming on your show. Oh, well, oh. listen, you are one of the originals. I feel like you introduced us to like the concept of bathing as self-care, which blew <laughs> my mind. Yes. Yeah. And and when we interviewed you, I mean, this was back in early 2018, and you were doing yoga every day. Yeah. You are still still doing yoga every day. I am still doing yoga every day. I did really did not think it would last this long. I mean, when I, cause I, when I, when I started, I, my plan was to like try to make it through 30 days of yoga. And now it's been a lot longer than that. <laughs> do you have a schedule that you follow? Like, do you know tomorrow what your yoga practice will look like or like for the next week or like do you schedule it out or is it more just like oh here's the moment I have some free time now I am going to click online and find something that works for me so I have a few default 
yoga videos that I will do like in case I don't think of anything else or like don't have the energy to like come up with something new. But then if I if I do like want to do something different or have that energy, then I will start then I will sort I mean I my usual is anything of yoga with Adrian. And so I will sort of look around and think like my shoulders hurt today. I'll do mm. her like neck and shoulder one or I'm feeling ener- you know, I need a burst of energy. Let me do like a fast 20 minute active something. Um but th- but there's like a few like five to 10 minute morning ones and a few evening ones that I will default to most days um, just in case I can't think of anything else. Like occasionally I will like go wild and do something like first thing in the morning and then mid afternoon and then right before bed. But th- those are rare days. I will tell you. <laughs> That's amazing. It's amazing. Like it's really amazing. <sighs> and I mean, there, there are definitely days where I'm like, Really, really. <laughs> but sometimes actually that's why I make myself like do the 10 minutes in the morning because then I'm mm. like, all right, well, I got over with first thing in the morning. I never want, I mean, I never want to exercise when I first get up in the morning, literally never. But I have sort of built that in as like, okay, well, I will do that like while my coffee is brewing. Mm. And so it does force me to to you know get out because I'm like if I'm gonna get out of bed to push that button on my coffee maker I might as well just like spend those that time while I'm waiting doing some yoga and it helps that I almost I almost always do something at night before bed um even when I've done something else like in the day I think partly I just sort of built that habit in and so um so I almost always do a little bit of yoga at night before bed so I then leave my yoga mat out and it's on my way from my bedroom to the kitchen so I'm like if I see it there I'm like all right fine I'll do it (laughs) and then that that is helpful do you think that um this yoga practice that you've established helped mentally or physically at all during being at home during quarantine? I know you you live alone and you've talked very honestly kind of about your ups and downs through the experience on Instagram and other places. What did the what did yoga kind of offer you during all this? You know, there were times when I was like, why is because there's certain there's certain things that especially in like kind of the nightly practice that I do, where it's like, you know, I kind of count things by my breath. And I was like, oh, why is this taking so much longer? Oh, no, it's just taking a lot more breaths because I'm really breathing really fast because I'm really anxious, you know, wow. especially at the beginning. And mm. so that, like, kind of forced me to think about, like, okay, I do need to, like, slow down and take longer breaths. Like, this is helpful. And then, I mean, I think Adrian, like, Adrian did this very specifically. Her 30 days this January was about breathing. And so, and I usually, like, this was the first time that I have done her 30 days of yoga while she did it. Um, Because other times I have done it, but I kind of, because they're always online. So I jumped on, like, way after the fact. And so this was the first, I mean, she does it every January. So this is the first January that I, like, was like, all right, well, I'm going to start January 1st and keep going. Um, And so that, like, forcing me to, like, think about my breathing was actually very helpful um, and has like really continued to be helpful this whole time as I kind of, you know, sometimes it is really my like, all right, you're going to kind of calm down from a stressful day or either like gear, gear yourself up for a day or, you know, that kind of thing. You've, I, I know we've talked before about some of the mental and physical benefits that you've gotten from yoga, but I'd love to hear more about that, especially now that I think we last talked about it probably two years ago. So I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, especially like, over this past year, when I think a lot of us have done a lot less physical activity, because before it was Mm -hmm. built into your day, right? And it isn't anymore. I mean, and so especially at that beginning, where I was just like at home all day, or then, you know, we were all forcing ourselves to like, go on that afternoon walk, right? And I would recognize that, like, my back and hips were just much tighter after sitting all day. And I sit, when I sit and work, it is in a very, like, 
everything about it is the way opposite of what they tell you you're supposed to do, you know? Um, And and so I feel like yoga has been just a little bit of thing to correct that for myself. Um, Or I can, or I will notice like, okay, you know, my shoulders hurt or like my, my feet are sore or my, my hips hurt. Um, I will do this specific thing to try to help with that for like the next few days. And that really does help. Um, I think it is, and it has really been, it's like the one time where I kind of automatically check in with my body every day, you know, and I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, wow, huh, I did something weird to my shoulder. All right, let's like try to work on that. Um, and so it does like build in a time for me to think about that in a way that I never really had before. Mm. It's such a wonderful practice. Um but I would love to segue into a discussion of your new book while we were dating. It is your sixth book. You posted on Instagram recently a picture of you. I think it was at book expo from 2018. And you were like, I've written, what was it? Four or five more books since then. And that was only three years ago. I mean, you have been on a tear in the last few years. Um, and and your books are just so delightful and so fun. Um, so we're, you know, we're thrilled that you've been on this tear. But for the benefit of our audience, could you tell them a little bit about your new book um, and kind of what the process of it, right? Excuse me. What the process of writing it was like? Um, yes. Yeah, so my new book, While We Were Dating, is about Ben and Anna. Um, ben is an advertising executive. Um, if you have read other of my books, you meet, you've met him for the first time in my third book, The Wedding Party. He was the brother to the hero in that book, um, kind of the, the hot younger brother. <laughs> and um, Anna is a movie star, and she is in a ad campaign that Ben is in charge of. Um, and so they kind of meet and go on some adventures um, in the course of their work together and then start to have a little bit of romance um, as they both kind of figure out that they're attracted to one another and have some common interests that they didn't quite realize. Um, Jasmine, there's, I have to just shout out a moment while I was reading that I like squealed with laughter. It's kind of at the beginning of the book and they're in the car and <laughs> they basically are like, they're driving and I forget who says it, but I think it's like, Ben is like no podcast, and Anna's like God no. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I was dying. It made me laugh so hard because, like, one, I get that, but also as a podcaster, I was. It just made me. It was. It just was like a inside joke with myself that really brought me a lot of joy. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so glad that you liked that. <laughs> um, that you wrote this book entirely during the pandemic. Is that right? Yes, entirely during the pandemic. My so my original plan was, um, you know, I had, I like I had plans for this book. I knew it was. I mean, I knew it was going to be a book about Ben. I knew kind of who Anna was, but I and and I had, you know, kind of a plot for it um, that is very different from the plot that it ended up being. Um, and my plan was to start writing it last March. Um, I went, I was the author in residence at a writing retreat in the middle of March. I was going to kind of start outlining it then. And then like, I usually give myself a date at which I will start writing a book um, because I'm a person who kind of needs schedules. And so that's helpful for me. And so I was like, all right, I will like start a real outline while I'm at this writing retreat. That'll be really helpful. I will start writing it by April 1st. And then the oh, day boy. we got to the writing retreat was like that day that the world fell apart. Like we're all at dinner chatting and someone looks at their phone and is like, the, the, they canceled Broadway. And then someone else is like, and also the NBA, like it was, you know, oh, well, Tom Hanks has coronavirus. Like it was all of that stuff right then. Um, and so I couldn't, I mean, I was like frozen that whole week. I tried to, I, like I brought a journal there and so I just sort of made myself write in a journal and I had a few little ideas for like, I tried to to think about the book and I was like, I don't know. What about this? 
Um, and I had a few things that did end up being in the book that I thought of then, but I, but it felt impossible to write anything then. I did not start writing it on April 1st. Um, and then I kind of made myself start on May 1st because I was like, if, you know, I, what I did in April, I made myself like write in a journal every day just to sort of keep up that momentum or, you know, remember that I knew how to write something. And so on May 1st, I was like, well, I mean, I don't know if this is, I don't know if I can actually write a book, but I will just start writing something just to, just to give myself something to do. I mean, you know, all day it was hard to kind of do anything. Um, and so I just kept writing, but like I wrote this book very differently than I've done anything else. I hand wrote the entire thing, <laughs> which. What? <laughs> it was the very first draft. Um, yes, yes. What? Um, wow. I think, and part of that, I think, I mean, I think I, I did that kind of for a few reasons. One, I was already writing in a journal, so it sort of felt like, like, I feel like a blank word document is a terrifying thing. Mm. And so I was like, just switching to another notebook is just, that's not a book. Like, that's just, I'm just like writing something. It's not as scary. Um, and I tend to usually start a book that way. Like I will handwrite a few pages and then I start like the next day I type it up and then I just keep going from that because it makes it easier that like I already have a start and now I'm moving into a Word document and then boom, I have, you know, I have the beginning of the book and I keep typing. Um, but that's not what happened this time. I just sort of kept writing <laughs> partly because just like the idea of writing a book last like you know, May and June felt terrible and scary. And so I was like, I'm not, this is not a book. This is just a thing that I'm writing with a pen and some paper. Um, and so that I think just made it easier on me to not be, to like not build up in my mind about what this was um, to just sort of keep moving forward. <laughs> the, the, the typing it yeah, up process, makes total like sense. Oh eventually, I did make myself kind of start typing it um, a few months later, which then ended up being much more stressful than it needed to be. But, but I think it did really help me to just like not, not let myself worry about it in a way that I would have if I'd had like the word count at the bottom of the screen or whatever. Cause there were some days where I did not write very much at all, but I made myself keep going a little bit every day, which I think was the, was what helped me. Without kind of giving too much away for to for listeners who are going to read the book, um, do you feel like you kind of you explore a lot of mental health stuff in this book? In addition to there being really wonderful romance, <laughs> I'm wondering if if that was kind of like pan like your own feelings during the pandemic, kind of coming out through these characters in a way. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, my own feelings and the feelings of like everyone I know, right? I mean, everyone I know was stressed and anxious and worried and like not sure what how to how to be a person in the world right especially because we we were all dealing with something unprecedented and so um and so it just made sense for these characters to sort of be going through some of what I saw out there and what I partly what I was dealing with but what other people were dealing with right um, and, and also, honestly, it, I'm surprised that it took this long for me to like, ha <laughs> small spoiler, have a therapist character in the book, because both like, I am the only person in my immediate family who is not a therapist. So that just feels like, yeah, obviously, I was going to put some therapists in a book eventually. <laughs> um, before we take a break, I have a very practical question, which is, how much can you write longhand in a day? Um, so I never really paid attention to my word count other than right. to like, at some point I did kind of look and see in the notebooks that I was using generally how many words were on a page. Um, mm -hmm. and I partly did that because I did Jamie Attenberg does a, um, thousand words of summer and I did that last summer. And so I just sort of wanted to like, more or less write a thousand words like when I was doing yeah. it. And so, so I figured that out. But then other than that, I tried not to pay attention, but I do, but like I did realize there was sort of one. So there were days where I would write like, I mean, probably 
around 300 words. There were days that I, and then there were like the thousand words days, but there were certainly days that I wrote a lot more than that, which I only know because there was one real turning point for me in the book. Like there was one scene that I wrote where I kind of figured the whole thing out. And, mm-hmm. and I texted some friends like right after I wrote that. And, 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 and I was like, Oh my God, you guys, like I just wrote this scene and I, feel like it really I didn't I didn't know what was going to happen I feel like it really like was the key to the book for me and so I and then and then I know like I went back and looked when did I send them that text and I was surprised because I ended up and that was just about midway and I ended up writing like the second half of the book in the next month um which really surprised me because that was probably around not quite 50,000 words, probably somewhere between wow. 40 and 50. And I was surprised that I hand wrote that much um, in a yeah. month. But I was definitely, you know, there were times where the book was like writing the book was really the thing that I got up for in the morning. And so I would like write some when I first got up in the morning and then some in the middle of the day and some at night, which I think was the only like, I certainly couldn't have written that much like in one fell swoop. <laughs> My hand would have not handled it. Yeah. I, I find that when I whenever I write longhand, whether it's in a journal or, or something or or something else. I'm so not used to writing longhand anymore that like my, I feel like my hand cramps up after you know like oh, three oh, yeah. sentences. And the typing up process was terrible because half the time I was like, what what word is that? Like I couldn't read my <laughs> right. own handwriting. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Um so wow, I'm I'm so impressed. Um okay, so we are going to take a short break and when we come back, we are going to hear some questions from listeners. They had a lot of questions for you, Jasmine. We're very excited that you're going to be on the show again. So um we will be right back. You know, Dory, we talk to a lot of really fantastic, intelligent people on this podcast. But I don't know, maybe you're like us and you want to go even deeper. Mm, I'd love to go deeper. We like to go deep. And that's not only possible with today's sponsor, but also easy to accomplish on Masterclass. Every year I get really into the classes offered and the instructors offering them. Like I'm all over the place with the things that I like on Masterclass. But this year I am very interested in the class Redefining Feminism, which is 14 lessons from Gloria Steinem. Okay. Now, they dissect issues women face in the U.S. and ways we can play a role in the feminist movement in our everyday lives. Look, I majored in women and gender studies in college. So this is right up my alley. But even if you didn't, even if you're like, this is the first time I'm I hearing mean, those words. I would argue, especially if you didn't. Yes. Get into it with Masterclass because this is the year you can really learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Go from just talking about improving to actually doing the things you've been wanting to do with Masterclass. And it doesn't have to be redefining feminism with glorious Steinem. It can be gardening in your own garden or your yard or patio. It can be learning to cook Indian food or designing a space that you love. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master like negotiation with Chris Voss or think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or maybe capture your vision through photography with Petra Collins, Masterclass has you covered. With Masterclass, you get unlimited access to intimate one-on-one classes with the world's best. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash F35. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash F35. That's masterclass.com slash F35. You know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what? I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. Yeah. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect 
white cotton t-shirt from mm. Quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie, also from Quince. Ooh, mm-hmm. okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking. I'm going to toot my own horn. Effortlessly chic, whether it's winter or or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30. You've got washable silk tops, really stunning 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, if you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. Kate, I feel like we are like barreling into summer. It's happening so fast. It is. And I feel like also with summer just come more social events. There's weddings. There's nights out. It's vacations. I mean, like all the things happening in summer. And what I love is that Honey Love has just the right thing for all those events. Feel comfortable and confident this summer with Honey Love's best-selling Superpower Short. The Superpower Short smooth shapes and lifts, giving you a flawless silhouette under any outfit with targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas where you want more support and areas you need less compression. It's designed to work with your body, not against it. Speaking of working with your bod, the crossover bra, which I'm wearing as we speak. I wear that thing every day. I do too. Uh, It's my favorite Honey Love piece. Let me let me just tell you why. Yeah, get okay, into it. Okay, do you want to tell me why? <laughs> no, no, I was just going to say like I I I don't even need to wear it to events. I wear it like the event is every day of my life. Yes, that's such a good way of putting it. The bra gives all the support of traditional bras without using any underwires and just like sidebar, I have put on some of my old underwire bras lately and been like, "Oh god, like get this off of me." <laughs> No, thank once you. you. Once you start wearing Honey Love, you're just like, no, not yep. going back. You see also, how it like, could be. Yes. Also, like summer sweat under those underwires is like, ugh, the worst. Now you don't have to worry about it. Get the support you need with the comfort you deserve and treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market. Save 20% off at honeylove.com slash forever. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash forever. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. The summer vibes are just getting started. So shape your life with Honey Love. You know, one thing I think is really kind of interesting about skin, my skin, but all skin, is that like what it needs now in my 40s is not what I needed in my 30s. Totally. Definitely not what I needed in my 20s. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But like, how are you supposed to know what your skin needs? It's hard. It's hard to know. Especially when there's just like so many products out there. The overwhelm is real. It's a struggle to even know how to get the results you want, what products to start with. This is why we're super excited to partner with Apostrophe. Apostrophe is a prescription skincare company that offers science-backed medications that are clinically proven to help. I have used Apostrophe. I love it. They will pair you with a board-certified dermatologist who literally creates a personalized treatment plan for your skin. I have done this a few times now. It is so easy to do their online consultation. You upload photos and like within a few weeks, I had done a consultation and received my treatment plan and my product. Amazing. And that is how I became a Tretinoin gal. 
I love the Tretinone that they sent me. I love their sunscreen. Both products have been amazing on my skin. And you, Forever 35 listeners, can get a special deal from Apostrophe. You can get your first visit for only $5. That's at apostrophe.com slash forever35 when you use our code forever35. Now that is a savings of $15. I like that. This code is only available to Forever 35 listeners. So to get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash forever35 and click get started. And then use our code forever35 at sign up and you will get your first visit for only $5. Thank you, Apostrophe, for sponsoring this episode. Okay, we are back. So many questions. So many, so many great questions. Kate, do you, did you have one that you wanted to start with? Well, I think this is good to kind of piggyback off the conversation of her Jasmine's latest book and writing. And this question is, how did you sell your first book? This person says, I want to be a romance novel writer too. Yeah. So I, you know, I had been writing for a few years at that point. Um, I tried to get an agent I, I think probably about two and a half years before uh, before I ended up getting my agent. Um, and the book that I wrote then, maybe it was longer than that. A book that I wrote then was like a young adult romance. So different genre, but kind of related because it was still kind of, I was still thinking about, you know, romance. Um, and so at that, like, the process of trying to get an agent then was helpful for me because I kind of knew the system and knew the drill. Um, so I was very organized when it came to looking for an agent. I think midway through the, when I was writing the wedding date, I kind of realized, okay, I think this is going to be like, I will try to sell this book again. Um, and so at that point I kind of started putting agent names into a spreadsheet. I think for me, it helped to kind of start my list of agents early on because then I wasn't like doing it. It didn't feel as scary. Like I, I wasn't doing it all in the end. Um, and so I like worked on the book a bunch, um, um, by myself. And then I sent it to some friends for their notes. And so at the point where I sent it to some friends, I spent all of that kind of frantic time waiting for their notes in like compiling my agent spreadsheet <laughs> and, you know, looking up every agent, thinking of more people, um, you know, figuring out what, what all of their submission guidelines were, all of that stuff. And then once I got their notes and like figured it out and wrote up a query, um, that's when I just sort of started submitting. And so I, you know, would go kind of on a rolling like five to 10 agents at a time thing. I think I sent like to 10 agents at first. And then whenever I got a rejection, I would like send to a few more people. Um, and I ended up signing with my agent. You know, there are, and this is the other thing. There are always like big stories of people who like started querying and then got an agent a week later and then their book sold a week later. And that was definitely not my experience. Like I signed with my agent, I think about five months after I first, I sent my first queries. Um, but like she was one of the people that was in that first batch. And, um, and then, we went on submission about two months after I signed with her um, because she like she was she was on maternity leave when I signed with her. And then she'd given me kind of like edits. And so I did that. I did the edits and sent it back to her. We went on submission. And then about six months after we went on submission and like a lot, you know, a number of rejections in the middle, um, we got the offer for the wedding date. We just lost Dory for a hot second because her power went out. So. Jasmine and I are going to keep chatting until Dory's able to rejoin us. But, you know, if you, if you notice a lull in Dory's dulcet tones, it's because there was a power outage. You know what? You can just never prepare when you're a podcaster. Yeah. Um, okay. So this is a great question that a listener asked that I feel like is a little bit of an inside joke if you are a reader of Jasmine or just like an insider comment. And this person says, what food do we need on hand for reading while we were dating? You know, what's funny is I feel like this book has less food in it yes! than previous books. It totally does. <laughs> oh my gosh. I noticed that. <laughs> um, and I don't know if that is because 
I feel like there was a point last year where we like we all just got sick of food because everyone was just cooking all the time and getting sick of it. So I don't know if that was because I myself was simply sick of food and eating. Um, there are definitely a number of like good breakfast moments. Um, I think because breakfast is like the only meal that I generally don't get sick of. And, uh, you know, a key scene at In-N-Out Burger. <laughs> Episode. <laughs> but, but yes, there, there are fewer food moments in this book than in previous ones. Yes. And we should say if you're new to Jasmine's books or you haven't read any of her previous books, there's just like beautiful food moments woven throughout the stories that are just like very organic and natural, but also like make you want to eat everything the characters are eating. <laughs> I'm like still thinking about specific tacos that I think are in the wedding the date. No, the proposal. Okay, thank you. Oh, There's, yeah. Well, there, there are definitely tacos in both books. Yeah. Just like yeah. I can still remember the food. So that's very, you know, it's very important. If you're going to get on board with these books, you've got to enjoy eating as well. Yes. Um, yeah. What are you working on right now? Someone wants to know. Unfortunately, right now I'm kind of working on too many things at once, mm. which I am not, none of which I can really talk about yet, but I am not a person who does well with that. So I think I need to like, force myself to just like concentrate on one thing for a few weeks until I get the shorter term work done and then can move back into long-term stuff because I like, I don't do well with juggling lots of projects. I am much more of a one track mind person. So I need to just like force myself to focus. But I feel like focus has been a problem (laughs) for the past 15 months. It's really, it is always hard to focus when there's so much going on in the world. I mean, it's, I don't even know how, you know, when people do it and it can be a wonderful escape at times, but it's really challenging when our mental well-being and physical and emotional well-being is under so much duress. Yeah, absolutely. But then on the other side, your books are what provide the rest of us from the re- for the relief. Like, you know, I I escape into your writing so often that like no pressure, but you've got to keep going because we need you when <laughs> well, times are tough. You. I appreciate that. <laughs> so this might not be something you can actually answer, but a few people have wanted to know about adaptations of your books. Um, I mean, specifically, someone said, when is Netflix paying Jasmine all of the money to adapt her books to series <laughs> and feature love, films? I appreciate people putting that out into the universe. I love that. Um, the The first four books have been optioned by Hello Sunshine, Reese Witherspoon's production company. Um, so let's all keep our fingers crossed for exciting things to happen there. I think the pandemic definitely slowed some stuff down, mm-hmm. you know, every, everywhere. Um, but I'm really hopeful and excited and I've seen them do exciting things with other books. So I would, I would love for something fun to happen there. Um, I would also love for Netflix to pay all, me all the money. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, hell yeah. Let's make it happen, Netflix. So um, you write full-time now, Jasmine, but before you were a full-time writer, you were a lawyer and practicing law. And so we got a lot of questions from listeners about that career and about that career change. So I was hoping we could first start with you kind of offering some feedback or thoughts on what your life was like pursuing a writing career while juggling a day job. And now this person wrote specifics, please. Now, I don't know what that, like how specific they want you to get, but maybe you could tell us about what that was was like and how you handled it. Yeah, I think, you know, for me, the key was to have have a very specific time of day that I wrote. Um, And so when I started, I mean, for the, you know, even even before I saw the wedding date, like I wrote like kind of another book and a half before that, um, and I did and I did all and I did all of that, and I wrote my first three books while I was working full time. So I would, you know, nighttime was when I wrote. I think people like I think some people work better first thing in the morning. I am not a first thing in the morning person, um, so I would write like my general writing time was somewhere between nine and 11 at night. And so I would not quite reserve that time, but just in my mind, that was my writing time. 
Um, so even if I went out, you know, for dinner or with people or whatever, when I would come home, I would kind of almost immediately like sit down and write for a while before I would do anything else. Um, or I, I also needed, and it was, you know, that time was kind of late partly because I needed time to decompress from work. So I would like get home. I mean, now it's different with people working from home, but I think I would get home, change, make dinner, relax for a minute and then kind of switch gears. Cause I think it's hard to like do it, you know, kind of when your mind is still tied up in work. Yeah. So, and then I would write for usually, I mean, I say nine to 11, but it wasn't that like two hour period. It was very rarely that whole two hour period, but that was kind of what I thought of in my mind as my writing time. I would usually write for somewhere around an hour every day. Um, and then there were, there were times like when I was writing the wedding date, I also would like, cause I was, I started the wedding date for, as a NaNoWriMo project. Um, they have, you know, they have their November month, but they also have like April and July months that are a little bit more low key. Um, and so I started it as part of their April camp NaNo is what they call it. Um, and so then I was like writing a little bit faster. And so I would bring my laptop to work and then go to the Starbucks across the street from the office for like 30 minutes at lunchtime and write then. And then wow. also at night. Um, so that like, I, I don't think like that wasn't, you know, doing it that much wasn't sustainable, but it worked for kind of a, to like push me at, at the beginning of that. Um, and then I just sort of, for the rest of the time that I wrote it kind of just kept doing it at night. So I think like, for me, I am a schedule person. Like it is important to kind of put myself on that schedule, which I will say that made it hard when I started writing full time because I still thought of nighttime as my writing time. And so there were times that I would just like be doing nothing all day and then <laughs> write for two hours a night. And I was like, what are you doing? Like you had all day. <laughs> so I really had to readjust myself and my schedule. Like for those first, especially those first few months, um, when I was, you know, writing full time, I had to like, I had to text friends and like give them punishments for me oh if gosh. I didn't write by a specific time or whatever to kind of readjust my brain. And even that, like, this is the other thing, like even that, even then, like in times of stress, I still will go back to writing at night. And so when I, I mean, those like the first few, the first really two months of writing while we were dating, I did the vast majority of that writing from like, it wasn't even nine to 11. It was, I mean, because also my sleep schedule was totally messed up at the beginning of the pandemic. And so I would do a lot of that writing between like midnight and 1am, e like even sometimes wow. even later, because I was just, I couldn't, I was like, well, I mean, all right, now seems like a good time. And so I'd write then. And so, and then, and then eventually I was like, yeah, maybe you should try writing when the sun is out. <laughs> <laughs> that might be better. And so I had to like uh, kind of force myself on an adjust again to pull myself back. Um, but that is a long answer to a short question. <laughs> um, but yes, I think scheduling yourself is really the thing that I learned the most when I was, you know, working full time and also writing. And you're not still practicing law. No, not anymore. And what was it like? Also, we should note that Dory is back from the powder power outage fiasco Hello. that she had to deal with. <laughs> I did I did include that in our conversation, Dory, because it is like that's never happened to us before in three and a half no. years of podcasting. I know. The power just went out. Yeah. And like my phone didn't work. It's very weird. <laughs> weird times. Um but Jasmine, you you transitioned careers um from working in law full time to writing full time. How is that how has that been? Do you have thoughts on people who want, whether it's writing or not, are, who want to shift careers drastically? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, for me, part of the hardest thing, especially at the beginning was I had, I had a vision of myself and who I was, which was like, I was a, I was a lawyer. That was who, like, I wanted, to, you know, I decided I wanted to be a lawyer in seventh grade. And that was like, what, you know, what I had built my whole life around. And then I realized that I maybe wanted to do something else. And that was a hard switch in my mind. 
Um, I think that was harder than, I mean, obviously there've rather been other hard stuff in their career, but like the switch in my mind was difficult. Like those first few times that I introduced myself as a writer, I felt like I was like making something up. I was like, writer, that doesn't make any sense. And so, so it was, I think getting used to the idea took me a little while. Um, and like telling other people, like I was, I did not. You know, we talked a little bit about, about my kind of path to selling my book. I didn't tell most people in my life that I was writing until I sold the wedding date. Because I was like, if I tell people that I'm a writer, they'll be like, that's, that's cute. Like, <laughs> you're, you're a lawyer, though. Like, I'm glad you have this, like, fun idea for the rest of your life. But you know, that's not real. Um, and so I didn't really share with people until it was real, which I think in some ways is good. In some ways is bad. I think people can sort of do that, whatever brings them like less anxiety. Um, and so I think, you know, sometime, but I did have like a kind of core group of friends who were writers who I could confide in and who would kind of build me up. And so I think that is really important that you, cause I, you know, right. Who your friends are, who you can go to, who will question you, which sometimes is what you need, and who your friends are who you can go to who will be like, that's right, I support you no matter what. And that and I needed I needed those second people in in that situation. And so and that's who I went to. Um and you know, some of them were writers too. And so those are the people who I went to to certain talk about writing and they were like really helpful um and really like instrumental in getting me to where I am. Jasmine, can you talk about recent romance novels that you've read and enjoyed? Yes. Um, one that I love and I just keep talking about, it's actually, it's a young adult romance, romance kind of going back to um, my original love, but You Should See Mina Crown, which came out last June. I love that book so much. It was like one of those, I, I mean, I think, you know, it was one of the first books that I read during the pandemic that really broke me out of like all of the stress. And it just like, I had the biggest smile on my face when I finished that book. She has a new book, um, that is coming out called Rise to the Sun that I am just starting and I'm so excited about it. Um, so that is one that I really loved. I also really loved, um, The Boyfriend Project by Farrah Roshan. That also came out last year, and she has a new book um, that's coming out this summer, although I think it doesn't come out until August, um, that I am like can't wait to read. And so th- those are a handful of like projects that I just adored like during the pandemic and then have new books coming too. Fun. Uh, Well, we are going to take another short break and we will come back with some more questions for Jasmine. So we'll be right back. You know, we have been delving more and more into the topic of our skin as we get older and how we treat it and how we love it. Because look, as I'm learning in my mid-40s, as you get older, you deal with new things when it comes to your skin. Not that they're bad. They're just new. You know what I mean? Like I am now just discovering creppiness, Dory. Mm, okay. Which is okay. I visible know. on my <sighs> neck and chest. Luckily, it's a thing. It's a thing. Luckily, OneSkin, our sponsor today, knows all about things like creppiness. And I'm not overly concerned with aesthetics, but like I do just want to keep my skin healthy as I age. Totally. I love their topical supplements. They really help your skin feel, I don't want to say younger, but just vibrant, Mm. refreshed. They combine tissue engineering, data analysis, and cutting edge longevity science to literally create the world's most effective product to help with skin aging. I am particularly fond of their face topical supplement. It's essentially a moisturizer, but it has their mm-hmm. proprietary OSO1 peptide to really help with all the parts of our skin that are exposed to environmental damage. 
You can use it on your face, your hands, your neck. I know here mm-hmm. where we live in Los Angeles, our hands, we're driving. That sun is coming at us at all times. One Skin believes the Amen. purpose of skincare is not just to improve how we look, but to optimize our skin biology so that it is more resilient to the aging process. They really create next level skincare. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and more importantly, acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code OVER50 at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code OVER50. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. All right, we have returned. Um, I loved this question because it's something that <laughs> I've been trying to think about, which is, what is your pre-Zoom glam routine? Me too. I wanted to ask this so badly. <laughs> oh, <laughs> thank you. Um, I, you know, I have really had to have just like a very much default like Zoom routine. Um, partly because I think we, like, there's a lot of decision paralysis, at least for me during the pandemic. And so now it's like, I do not have to decide. I do the exact same thing every time. Um, which is like, I tend to like a lot of blush. I think it shows up better on screen. Sometimes if I walk outside after I've been on zoom, I'm like, Oh, well, Look at that. My cheeks yep. are real pink, but it, but it looks fine on Zoom. Um, a lot of eyebrows, mm. a, some glittery eyeshadow in any kind of way, a little bit of bronzer, and then either a like reddish or red-orange lipstick with a gloss right in the middle of my Ooh. lip. Because I feel Ooh. like the gloss kind of makes it pop on Zoom. The gloss, that- like not on the whole lip, but just kind of mm-hmm. like, boop. Yes. Oh, I, I had a realization, I think it was even just yesterday as we were prepping for a zoom event where I realized like it finally dawned on me a year and a half into this thing that like zoom makeup is different than everyday makeup. Like the same way if we were going to be an actor on camera or getting professional photos taken, the makeup you put on is different. And I don't know why it took me so long. But like, as you were saying, like a ton of blush in real life looks like nothing on Zoom. And yeah. I've had to really like recognize that I am putting makeup on for the video chat. Yes. Oh, another big thing that is not hair or makeup related, but I realized a few months into the pandemic that on Zoom, the thing that shows up the most of any accessory is earrings. That like mm. I need big, boldly mm. colored earrings because that that is the you know I'm I'm only on camera from like more or less the collarbone up and so and so I went on a real big earring purchasing binge. I had to test out a number of different colors to see like because you know what shows up against my hair right and what shows up against my skin and so I bought some like dark pink ones and I was like oh I can't see those on Zoom all right. Uh, like I now I tend to go with like light colored ones or gold or things like that because they they like really pop um like against my body and hair and background in a way that other stuff doesn't so yeah so that was a real experimentation and now I've purchased so many earrings (laughs) in the past that's so interesting for me to hear because I can't wear earrings like I can't wear pierced ear earrings and so now I'm wondering should I be like more aggressively. Oh no! Now we've lost Kate. Yeah, we've lost Kate. <laughs> oh my God, what is happening? Is there power Maybe, outage like going around? Los there Angeles? must be. It's not like hot today. It's it's seventy two degrees. This is very ominous and weird. Um. Anyway, it's making me think that I need to kind of investigate the clip on earring situation a little bit Etsy more. Etsy has a lot of good stuff. Oh, okay. That's a hot mm-hmm. tip. Yes. Kate, did you just lose power? Yeah, I didn't lose power, but it just lost. I don't know. I'm telling you, it's the Gemini eclipse. I already gave (laughs) Jasmine this speech. Something, it just kicked me out. Now I'm back on. Sorry, poor Sammy. Sorry, Sammy. Really having to deal with things on the back end here today. (laughs) 
Sorry about that, y'all. No problem. Um, well, Jasmine was just talking about earrings as the ultimate Zoom accessory. Yeah, that's really smart because I was putting a bunch of necklaces on. But as you were saying, it's like collarbone up, barely. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so you have to kind of fit and headbands. That was another one. That's another oh, one I've like thought about. Yeah. Oh. Headbands give me a headache, but I think me I've too. seen a lot of people go with the headband. I think that is an excellent Zoom accessory. Yeah. And eventually, like, we are going to reemerge probably in doing a lot of these things in person. And then we're going to have all these big head up <laughs> accessories and, like, cool shirts and then no pants. <laughs> and then, like, oh, I can't wear pajama pants out yeah. in the world anymore. Oh, oh my okay. gosh. <laughs> um, Jasmine, a listener, a few listeners mentioned – um like your wonderful recipes that you share and your beautiful meals that you share on Instagram. And and someone asked in all caps, how does her meal planning seem so effortless? And I will say, I'm sure behind the scenes it is not, but I've had the same reaction where you're like, I had steak for dinner. And then I just found all the, like these grains and some like beautiful herbs and I just put it together in this bowl. And it was like, it looks, everything you cook looks amazing. It's true. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate that. That is so funny because I am the, I'm terrible at meal planning. Like any, I mean, I actually am finding this coming out of the pandemic so much easier for me for cooking because I'm a person who is always like, likes to go to the grocery store often. And mm. so... Now, and like in the early days of the pandemic where I was like, I don't really go to the grocery store, like once every two weeks is what they were saying. And it was so hard for me to kind of envision anything um, because mm-hmm. I'm not a person who's good at planning ahead for meals. I am very much a mood eater. Um, and so I do, like, I'm glad that it looks effortless, like effortless. I, I do not plan ahead very well. I do think like I have a few kind of default things that I do so a lot of like I'm good at making us making salads with leftover meat or yeah you are you know or fish or whatever um and I do have some like Trader Joe's and Whole Foods both have these like little bags of quick cooking farro farro I don't know if I'm saying it right that I that make like very easy and fast grain bowls or that I can like add to greens or whatever to add something there. Um, and so there are a few things that I kind of keep in my pantry and in my fridge mm-hmm. to throw a like bowl of something together. Um, but yes, I think we all kind of, I mean, I certainly had to figure out a new way to cook <laughs> over the yeah. past year. Yeah. What has self-care looked like for you during uh, the pandemic. And, and I'm also curious if you're still taking a bath every night, because that was the self-care practice you talked about on the first time we interviewed you. And I would love to know if you're still doing it. Um, yes, very much so. Much more, actually, during the pandemic wow. than, than before, because like sometimes before the pandemic, I would like go out at night and then get home late and then not, you know, want to like deal with that whole thing and then just like do some yoga and go to bed. But now I'm home all the time. Um, and so it really became my like, even more so my, okay, this day is over. I'm going to wind down, especially since like I had a, I've, you know, gone back and forth with having a lot of problems sleeping um, during the pandemic. And so it, you know, it definitely helps me with like a wind down routine. And actually there was a time when in my building, we were having like water heater problems. And so, and like my first sign that it was happening was that my bath would get like the water for my bath would get really cold really fast because I, I actually take very short showers. And, you know, when I wash dishes, it wasn't, I wasn't using enough water for the water to run out. And so I didn't notice at first. And then I was like, why is my bath so cold? <laughs> and that was oh like the gosh. sign that the water heater was having problems. And so there was like two weeks while it was like people kept trying to fix it where I couldn't really take a normal bath. And it was so bad for like my oh. self care <laughs> that I was so happy and relieved when the water heater got fixed. <laughs> um, uh, one of my other big self care things during the pandemic has been two of my best friends from college and I, really early on, like after that first 
you know, shelter in place came down in um, mid-March, started doing weekly FaceTime calls. And we all live, you know, in different places in the country. And we like, we've, we've been close friends for a long time. We have a very active group chat, um, group text that we do, but like we very rarely done FaceTime calls until this past year, which have, we have done almost every single week since, um, last March. And, you know, we've had to like juggle the timeline some because, you know, people have had, family responsibilities and whatever, but it has really been so key, I think, for all three of us to have that time where we can come and just, like, <laughs> we're, we we have an agenda <laughs> for our calls every week. Um, so we can, like, really each have our own time to, you know, vent about what's going on, really just be open with mm-hmm. each other about how things are going and and have time to like relax because I feel like the t- time to relax and like have a little bit of fun has been really hard um, during this past year. And so the times that I've like consistently laughed once a week has been in those calls with them, which has really been wonderful. Oh, I love that so much. Um, well, before we get to our intentions, we we had a request for you to give one of your inspiring pep talks. This is so sweet. Um, so for a little bit of background, at one point last year, you know how Instagram does that like ask a question thing, and I and I actually started this because I was having a down day and thinking like mm. I needed a pep talk, and then I was like, mm. well, maybe I can try to use that energy for someone else, and so I like put on my Instagram story. Does anyone need a pep talk? And like the the things that people share with me really touched me. You know, there were people who were like, oh. I'm going through IVF. It's really hard. Like I just, you know, I just got laid off from my job. You know, my boyfriend and I broke up or I, I'm just feeling really sad and I, I haven't talked to any of my friends. And so it was really, I found it really helpful for me to be able to like try to help other people and like reach out a little bit and tell them kind of what I wish a friend had told me when I was going Mm. through similar hard things. Um, And so I have like kind of tried to do it, you know, not regularly, but, you know, once, at least once a month or so, um, sometimes a little bit more frequently over the past year. And I have like, and my favorite things have been when like weeks later or even like months later, someone has come back and like one person came back and said, you know, you told me to keep going with writing and now I have an agent. Like, Oh, I almost cried. I mean, it was so, you know, so, so things like that are, have just been really lovely. Um, So I think like, I just, I think so many people have had have struggled this year, um, whether it's like feeling isolated or feeling overwhelmed. And I think like, The most important thing is to know you're not alone. Like so many of us are going through that. We, you know, I think saying, I think there was a time during the pandemic where it was like, we're all like, we're all in this together. And I think that slightly wrong, right? Because we're all in different kind of parts of it. But like, there are people who understand what you're going through. We will like figure out a way to come out of this. And we all like individually figure out our own ways. But um, but like there are people out there who are cheering for you. And I think that's a thing that's so hard to recognize when you're kind of in the middle of it. But yeah. it is always nice to like, because sometimes you do realize, oh, wow, there, there were people out there on my side and there are people out there on your side. And, um, and so excited to see you and talk to you and see what you do next. Mm. That made me feel good. Uh, same. I really did. I was like, oh, there are people cheering for me. I'm not, why am I, have I convinced myself no, like in my brain, like, you yeah. know, when you're alone in your thoughts, you're like, everyone's going to hate this. And then I was like, oh no, people are going to support <laughs> yeah. you genuinely oh, yeah. and be excited for you. So thank you, Jasmine. I needed that personally. You are very welcome. It was funny because like a few weeks ago, I was at the farmer's market and I was doing this like complicated thing with the, the woman who was helping me, like weighing all the stuff. And at one point she said, you're doing a great job. And I was like, oh, you know, mm. I really needed to hear that today. And she oh, said, yeah. I think a lot of us really need to hear that sometimes. And it was just, yeah, it, it was the little pep talk that I needed. 
I love that. <sighs> well, this has really been so fun. And we figured that we would wrap up with intentions as we do on a normal episode. Um, but as we're recording this a few weeks in advance, these will obviously be kind of general intentions for all of us. So uh, Jasmine, we'd love to start with you. Do you have any intentions that you'd like to share? Yes, I, my, I, I really want to try to put my life in a little bit more order. I think mm -hmm. I, you know, there's the, I don't know if you guys um, are familiar with the chaos Muppet versus order Muppet dichotomy. Um, I am definitely more of a chaos Muppet who always wishes that she was an order Muppet. And so I would really like to, you know, try to get a little bit more order in my life, especially when things get super busy for me in, in one area, I tend to just like let everything else go. Um, which, which stresses me out, you know, it doesn't make yeah. it easier for me. Um, and so I would really like to like force myself to spend 15 minutes a day just straightening up a little bit or, you know, getting things in a little bit more order, which I think will make me feel better about a lot of other things. I wait, I wasn't familiar. I'm familiar with chaos order chaos, but not the chaos order Muppet theory. And I just did a quick Google. Yeah, I feel like this could change my life. So you're a chaos it, Muppet. Yes, it is okay. really like it's a article that I think Dahlia Lithwick wrote for Slate mm -hmm. years yep. ago. And as soon as I read it, I was like, yes, absolutely. Because you when you look at all of the Muppets, you can immediately you immediately know which one is chaos and which one is order. And also, I think if you ask any of your friends, they will be able, once you explain this to them, they will know like, oh, yeah, yeah, you are a chaos Muppet, aren't you, Jasmine? Yes, I, yes, I am. <laughs> I mean, I am 100% a chaos Muppet. Uh, I know, me too. <laughs> um, but, well, but I think, and also, as in the Muppets, they usually pair chaos yes. and order Muppets. And so I feel I like, you feel know, like you're we, an order we all Muppet need a little right. bit of the other side with us. Um, yeah. 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 Uh, well, Jasmine, you have inspired me to try and have a daily practice. I don't know if it will mm. be a daily yoga practice, but I, I find something, there's something so kind of grounding and calming in just hearing about your daily yoga practice and how long you've been doing it that I would really like to find something for myself that brings me the same kind of feeling. So thank you for inspiring me. And I'm going to I'm going to give that some thought. Mine is also inspired by something Jasmine said. You made me really want to do a another large FaceTime or Zoom with my close group of friends from college. Mm. So if any of them are listening, buckle up because I'm going to start <laughs> organizing one for us to do. There's a it's there's a lot of moving pieces. People are on different coasts. There's babies you know how it goes. But I just I was just listening to you say that you all met up and talked weekly or, you know, regularly. And we've had a lot of, you know, intense group chats going, but I would love to just see all their faces again. I miss my miss my friends. So thank you for that's gonna be my intention. Hopefully I can figure it out. I'm gonna send the email. Yeah, I'm glad. Love it. Um, well, Jasmine, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was so fun. Um, and everyone buy Jasmine's new book while we were dating. It is truly a delight as all of her books are. Um, it's out on Tuesday. Thank you again, Jasmine. Thank you so much. And before we go, we just have to tell everyone that Forever 35 is hosted and produced by me, Dori Freer, and Kate Spencer and produced and edited by Sammy Junio. Sam Reed is our project manager and our network partner is ACAST. And we will talk to you all again very soon. Bye. Bye.